now the cleanest hour in podcasting with your host, Ralph Peterson. This is the Housekeepers Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Housekeepers Podcast, the cleanest hour in podcasting. I'm so super excited. You, trust me, are going to want to grab a cup of coffee for this conversation because it's going to be super fast, super engaging. I absolutely love this person, Christy Verdi. Is it what I would? I know there's no D in it, but I want to pronounce a D like Verdi. <laughs> Is that accurate or no? No, it's that you said it correctly. Christy no Verdi. Yeah. Christy <laughs> Verdi. I'm such a big fan. I've been following you for a while. And so I'm super happy that you came on the Housekeepers podcast. And uh, so thank you. Thank you for having me. Excited yeah, it's, it's super great. You are the president of Cleanscape, Cleanscape Construction. Just to be clear, though, because is that your main business where you clean construction sites? Is that what is your main focal point? So our main focal point is construction, but there's a lot of cleaning maintenance that goes along with it. Um, right. Post-construction cleanups, building maintenance, there's all sorts of cleaning pieces that go along with the construction industries. So, Got it. Yeah. so you do kind of like an all-in-one. So you kind of do a lot of different things Yes. in the construction field. Yes. Got it. Got it. That's yeah, super great. From beginning to end, which incorporates a lot of different cleaning maintenance pieces. I love that. I met somebody recently that was saying that I don't know if they were doing it, or maybe their dad had done it, but they were, he was always bidding both. You know, like I'm going to do the, the construction piece and I'm going to bid on the construction cleanup piece. And I just think that's so, you know, what I think is so great about that is. Airlines. Airlines. I love the example of airlines. Do you know who cleans airplanes now? No, I don't. <laughs> uh, the passengers. Wow. The passenger. It's so the history of how this happened is just this weird tale. And I've told it before. And I'll just give you the highlights. Basically, what happened, there used to be a time when you go on an airplane and everything was cared for by the flight attendants. They would take care of your every need. They would feed you. They get you pillows, whatever you needed on a plane. And then when you got up to leave, you just simply got up to leave. And the flight attendant didn't clean the airplane. They had a housekeeper or a cleaning person come in and they gave them seven minutes. So a cleaning team would have seven minutes to go through an airplane between flights. And so that seven minutes they'd go through, they would click all the seatbelts, they'd put the tray tables up, they'd pick up all the garbage, they'd do some light dust, like they'd clean the bathroom, legit seven minutes. That's all they had. Well, then they had all these cutbacks in airlines. And so one of the first things they do when they cut back, they always look at the cleaning industry. And so they're like, why do we have cleaners doing these cleanings? Why can't we have the flight attendants doing the flight attendants being unionized? They're like, you're out of your mind with no chance we're going to clean. So there's this big thing and it was threatening of strikes and all this stuff's happening. And then eventually what it came out to is they came up to an agreement that they're not going to have cleaning between flights. They were going to have the flight attendants do it, but the flight attendants could make the passengers do it. So now every time you're about to land, there comes a notification. Please put your tray table up. Make sure you grab all the garbage. I'll come through with a garbage bag, but you're going to clean up your area. <laughs> it's this whole thing. And I just, I, the only reason I even bring that up is because I think it's super great how, you know, if you own both the construction and the cleanup, 
what's the language on the job site now? If you drop it, pick it up, right? Because we're <laughs> yeah. you're going to be a lot less careless. Yes. We're a lot more careful with your construction debris if you're in charge of both. Yeah, we're, we're very adamant about, you know, making sure that cleanup is in between, making sure that construction site is very neat and organized. So there's that cleaning piece throughout. So yeah, it's very beneficial at the end. It's super and And it's a safety issue as well. So having a clean and organized job site is super great anyway. And you're, you're in New Jersey. Is that right? Mm-hmm. New Jersey. You, I love to just go back and start at the beginning. So is that where you grew up was New Jersey? Yes, New Jersey. Yep. What part of it? Southern, Northern? What exit? Isn't that how we have to talk? Bergen we have County, to talk in know, Bergen County, Hackensack area. Sure. I know Bergen County. So very North, yeah. very North, yes. in North, North Jersey. Jersey. Yes. Okay. And so what was that like? What was it? Where did you grow up? What did you do? Do you have siblings? So I grew up, yes, with my family, my mom, my dad. I have a younger sister. And we grew up in a home where my father worked. My mom stayed home with us. What'd your dad um, do? My dad worked with the post office. Oh, very cool. And my mom was a stay-at-home mom. And she came here from Cuba as oh. a young girl. And, but my dad was born here. And so we grew up in the Bergen County area. We went to private school growing up, grammar school and high school. And Was uh, it like a Catholic school? Yes, Catholic yeah. school. My parents were very adamant about, you know, going to school, getting a degree, really having a secure position or a job, being employed. And so I went off to college and I completed an undergraduate degree in psychology. And I went and moved into a graduate degree in school psychology. So I was a school psychologist. I, I guess I'll hold go on, into a hold little- on a minute. You were yes. in, you, you were a school psychologist, really? Yes. yes. What did you do? And what did you hold on before you got there though? Did you do any after school work? Like when did you get your first job? Did you ever work before college? Yes, I worked my tail off doing all sorts of entrepreneurship things. I always put something together um, while I worked. I always had some sort of full time gig going. I did a lot of random things from, you know, prepping tutoring sessions to teaching babies to sleep, doing overnight sleeping sessions. I mean, anything that I could really put together and learn and make money while creating my own schedule so I could complete my degree. Yeah. So that was, you know, so running a business was something that I always really loved. I like that. It's it, I knew it too intuitively. I kind of knew. I was like, there had to be some time. And because that's when it's the easiest is when you're a kid, right? It's the easiest yeah. time to get it right, get it wrong. And the lore of money, right? Is there yeah. any better yeah. draw? I love it. That's super great. Okay. Okay. So then you go to college. You become a school psychologist. So I go to college. I become a school psychologist. What grade, but- what grade were you a school psychologist in? So I worked in the high school. That was one of my favorite settings. And so as a school psychologist, I did IQ testing. I did current placement testing, current placement, you know, determining where a student should go. I worked on the uh, child study team and the counseling. Yeah, I was a full-fledged school psychologist. Um, You know, I had a terrible, I want to say that I had a terrible experience with 
I think my guidance counselor, honestly, I don't know that there was a school psychologist. It may have been a school psychologist. They gave us like special tests. So perhaps it was a psychologist. <laughs> it depends. It, you know, on the guidance counselor setting, they do, they can give you certain tests to determine your academic performance. But the school psychologist was more focused on, you know, where you were developmentally, emotionally, that kind of thing. So if you think about what kind of tests you were given, I think that might identify who you met with. <laughs> I think I was given the developmental test. And then that was in like seventh or eighth grade, though. And then I was in ninth grade. I remember it distinctly because it had such a huge impact on me. But in ninth grade, at the end of ninth grade, they kind of gave you an assessment test on I don't know what exactly what they were looking for, but the outcome was when I met with my guidance counselor, we were supposed to be picking classes for the next year and kind of like mapping out if you were going to go to college, you'd be mapping out one direction. If you weren't going to go to college, you'd be mapping out another. And I remember it's so silly that I'm even bringing this up because no, there, no. I was I just heard like stupid, like silly words like trigonometry. I heard like college prep courses and I had no idea what any of this stuff was. And so I said like these words to the guidance counselor and he laughed at me. He's like, no, 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 no. He said, the test you took shows that you're a hands-on learner. Okay. I was like, oh, okay. Hands-on learning. So what does that mean? He goes, it means you're probably going to work in construction. So building trades, we have a building trades program here. And I did not want to go into building trades. I had no desire. My dad was an alcoholic. I mean, a mechanic. And an alcoholic. I don't know what kind of person. Like he was an alcoholic, then a mechanic, or a mechanic, and then became my uncle worked in construction, and he too was an alcoholic or a carpenter. And so you know, like they and, and they were all miserable. Like everybody was, everybody hated. And I was like, the last thing I wanted to do was work in construction. And I was like, no, please no. But that's why I quit school at sixteen because they said that I was a hands-on learner and education wasn't going to be a big thing for me. So. In retrospect, hmm, it's a yeah. crappy story. Housekeepers podcast. This has been the cleanest hour. <laughs> it's a wonderful story. You know, those are part of our, you know, history and growing yeah. up. Origin That's story. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, school psychologist. Let's talk about you, not me. School psychologist. <laughs> I can't imagine that it would be a good job, but apparently you loved it. Well, <laughs> that's what brought me to this field. So, oh, so you didn't love it. <laughs> no. Oh. So I finished school. I had met my husband at the time. I was doing my internship. And my husband is the third generation in a construction company. And so I had spent some time with him, with his family's company, really trying to understand doing some back-end paperwork. And I loved it. I loved everything about it. I knew it was something that I wanted to do forever. What did you What did you love about it? Like, what were exactly were you doing? Were you doing like back office stuff? Were you numbers, profit yeah. loss? You know, really seeing somebody's vision come to life was just so inspiring. Really understanding why certain people wanted to do certain things in their home or how they wanted their place of business to look or what the goal was, what the drive was to bring people into their uh, facility or their special store or 
you know, was this family, they were big entertainers, you know, what unique thing did they want? And how did they want their flow of the house to go? It just, it was so inspiring. I, I loved everything about it. This, there was no, everyone was different. Every project was different. You could think outside the box. You could, I had the opportunity to really implement my creative side, regardless of what you were thinking. I had a hard time with that in the school psychology field where it, you, you know, there were certain standards that you had to follow and there were certain boundaries and things like that. And so the field just was amazing. It was amazing. That's really great. I love that you found, how, you found it. It sounds like you found it pretty early. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was a little bit bummed that I spent so many years in school to do something that I didn't want to do, but I was excited that I did find something that I love. And so my husband and I, you know, opened up our business back in 2007 and we started from scratch and we initially started as a full service cleaning company. We were just going to be cleaning commercial projects, uh, commercial facilities, commercial buildings. That was the initial, that's where we got Cleanscape from. Got it. And Although we still do the services that we initially started with, because my husband slash partner was in the industry, construction just came our way and it became something that we both loved together. And that's how our company evolved into doing both of them and incorporating the construction piece. When you started the cleaning company, how did you start it? What was the, what did you do? Just put some posters together or some flyers together and start making calls? Door every night. Every day, dropping business what, cards. What kind, what kind of businesses were you after at first? You know, anything local. So we would hit every... The Honda uh, dealer, the yep. bank, yep. the mall. I would look up emails. I would email people our services. We would go through the town, downtown areas of each town, drop our cards in every single one of the doors, try to just reach out. I mean, we, you know... We did that. We started from scratch. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, just knocking on doors, just yep. saying, hey, we clean, hire us. Yep, yep. How, and we started doing did... restaurants. We started cleaning kitchens in oh, wow. restaurants. We started doing small medical offices. How did you know how to clean? How did you even know? How did you know how to bid? So we did have some guidance there. We did hire staff that had that in the, had that experience. And, you know, we started small. We didn't bite off more than we can chew. And so we really just, you know, I mean, cleaning was somewhat similar to construction. I mean, my partner had a lot of background in construction. He was born with a hammer. So, you know, it was just really a matter of trying to determine what things needed to be done what items needed to be rented or certain items needed to be included. So we just, you know, we learned, we got burned a few times, but you lick your wounds and you look at it as a learning experience and you knew how to project the next time. But, you know, we didn't fight off more than we can chew. I think that was the big piece. We started small with small projects. Were you guys both working at the time? I was currently still working as a school psychologist. He was in this physically full-time. I was also in it physically full-time, but it was more, I did more of the paperwork. And so it was on lunchtime. It was after work. It was late at night. It was, my hours were just spread differently. 
and all the cleaning was happening at night, right? Which is yeah. traditional with yeah. office buildings and stuff like that. So it's after, especially restaurants. Restaurants are the worst hours. It's either restaurants. Actually, most of the projects that we've ever done are usually after hours because even, you know, medical facilities, things like that. So sometimes we would go prior to, I had to be in work or mm -hmm. we'd go late at night. We would clean offices. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, most, even if you were doing commercial condominium complexes and things like that. I mean, you, you know, they didn't want you there. They would, everybody had their set times that they wanted you to be there. And so a lot of the times it wasn't during office hours or it wasn't during the day. Yeah. It wasn't when they are there, which yeah. I think is, you know, one of my biggest pieces of advice for people are like, I want to do something for, you know, I have somebody who comes in and cleans my house every two weeks. You know, I, I don't know what I should be doing for them. And I was like, well, do you, are you there when they're there? They're like, oh yeah, we're always there when they leave. That's yeah, what you should exactly. do. You should give we them some not, space. <laughs> yeah, we did not touch residential. It was all commercial. Really? No residential at no. all? The only residential that we have done and will do is we have realtors call us when there's a full clean out or if there's a new tenant moving in. With COVID, we did a lot of COVID cleanings for homes that were recently purchased and the buyer wanted a full clean out before they moved in. So we will do that as long as it's empty, you know, ready moving condition or a post-construction cleaning for residential. No kidding. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. And so yeah. when did you get big enough cleaning to start adding staff? How long did it take for you to go, all right, we have to add somebody. We have to get somebody in there. It was pretty quick. I mean, good news travels fast. <laughs> So it was pretty quick. I mean, we definitely started building our team. What ended up happening as well is because we had the background in construction, the cleaning evolved into maintenance stuff, maintenance issues, elevator issues, you know, heavier cleanings in terms of stripping and waxing, heavy duty carpet cleaning, that kind of stuff. Like that evolved very quickly. It wasn't just come in and clean our office. You know, if we were cleaning a medical facility, and there were heavy stains on the rugs. We had our crew coming in doing the carpet cleaning. And, you know, there were issues with electrical in the particular office. And they knew we had that background. So we were now calling an electrician in. So we really evolved into a cleaning maintenance company very quickly. That makes complete sense. Yeah. Yeah. That makes complete sense. That's super that smart. And you know what? It was a great piece to the individual that was using us because, you know, it was a one-stop shop. They would call us and they would have access to all the different pieces that they needed through our company. And so that's how we really evolved into more pieces. It's really a smart thing to be paying attention to when you go in and bid a job, when you're going in and looking at it, you're doing your initial walkthrough to be able to identify, you know, there's a lot more I can do here for you, not just clean, not just the light dusting and empty in the trash, but we can take care of that carpet. We can take care of that floor over there. I had a barber. This guy was cutting my hair forever. Love this guy. He actually ended up selling. He started to sell hair products for women, high-end hair products for women in his barber shop, and it completely changed his business. So that's a whole other story, but talk about cutting young men's hair and seeing the mothers waiting in the chairs with awesome. nothing to do. And he thought, I should sell something to them. And so he started to think about, because he had some retail space. And it doesn't matter. It's not what I'm thinking. Not, not my point of the story. Point of the story is his floors were terrible. 
And every time I got my hair cut, like every two weeks or whatever, I would go, you got to do something about these floors. You got to do something about these floors. I finally come in after like a year of saying, you know, these floors just look, you, know, they, you can, they could come back. They're VTC. They could totally come back. I come in and they're beautiful. And it dawns on me. I never told him I could do it. Yeah. I kept telling him how much they would look better. I never said, hey, by the way, I can help. Yeah. It was a big, a big slap in the face. And I was like, oh, I can't believe I, I talked him into it. And then somebody else got the business. He didn't even call me. He had no idea. So it's super smart. It's smart to be able to identify and having all that. And I think it's pretty common. I think that's common. I think that's kind of how most of us get into the cleaning industry. We kind of go, you know what? We can do a lot of things. I can mow your lawn. I can trim your hedge. I can clean your house. I can snake out a toilet. I can get the stain out of the carpet, which by the way, if you're in a doctor's office right now and you're listening, you look on the floor and there's there's, there's little brown stains. It's because of you and it's because of coffee. And I'm going to give you a, a word of advice. And it's called lids. Put a lid on the coffee. <laughs> I see people walking around an office with a coffee cup and no lid on it. I want to lose my mind. Put a lid on that thing. Yep, yep. <laughs> so that's really, really fantastic. I love how that just kind of morphed and it doesn't sound like it took you very long. So when did you start going, hey, we're bidding on cleaning jobs to how do we start clean, bidding on construction jobs? So as I had mentioned, my husband just, you know, my husband partner had just been very well known in the field. And so when they started to see us active together, they really started reaching out for, you know, again, good news travels fast. So when they started to, we, when people started to reach out to us for the cleaning services, they were really reaching out to us for construction services. He was known in the field. So if a previous contact or someone else that just knew of his background, they had all, they were reaching out for construction projects. And initially we were turning them down because we wanted to stay in the commercial cleaning area and just really focus on this. But we just started to get jobs that were too hard to turn down and we evolved. I mean, even the cleaning now, I mean, the cleaning is our, our step into the door to some really big facilities. Uh, we were working in a brand new four building condo complex in Bergen County and our foot in was cleaning. And then it turned into, oh, you do this. Oh, you also do that. Oh, you do this. And it, you know, it really evolves into a nice project for us and a nice relationship. I like that. There's a couple of lessons here that I'm kind of thinking through as you're describing how you went about this. And one of the first things I want to highlight is you didn't come in and say, hey, there's this new thing that you're going to love, Mr. Banker. And the new thing is this idea that people can clean your bank, right? You didn't go and go introduce the idea of somebody come in and clean the doctor's office, somebody come in and clean the class A office building. There was already somebody there doing it and they weren't doing a good enough job. And that's how you got the jobs. Can we agree on that? Yes. <laughs> and I think, I think that is a huge lesson for both people who have a lot of clients right now and understand not every one of your clients are happy. And so on one hand, it behooves us to go and be make sure we're present in front of our clients, making sure they're happy. I made a huge mistake with that myself because I thought I had a, a locked on contract. I had a contract that was unbreakable. And when you have a contract that's unbreakable, you kind of roll with the punches a little bit because you're like, eh, you know, can't make everybody happy, that kind of thing. 
And then I had somebody break a contract that's not breakable. And they're like, what is he going to do? Sue us? And I was like, I'm going to sue. And of course I didn't, I can't, couldn't afford to sue them. I think they probably knew I couldn't afford to sue them. And so we're just here. They just fired me. They just canceled my contract. And let's be honest, it's my fault, right? I didn't get in front of the client enough. I, there were indicators that they weren't, I work in healthcare, by the way. So I'm, my cleaning company is in nursing homes and senior care facilities and hospitals. So I'm working with, I work during the day with nurses, with rec, with, you know, with administration. So my clients are there when I'm working. So it's, a, nice. it's a different animal altogether. But, you know, just to point out, I think it's important to point out that anybody can go start knocking on your client's doors right now. And if they're even a smidge not happy, you could be losing some business. And then the other thing that I would love to highlight is, and I've seen so many people use this strategy and it's so smart, the idea of just getting one, I know somebody who was cleaning one lawyer's office in a building and they didn't clean anything else except the one's lawyer's office. And the only reason they cleaned that lawyer's office because that lawyer was a friend. But every time they would clean, they would try to get in front of the property manager. Say, hey, we're cleaning this office. Do you have any you know, issues in this building? We'd love to. And then there was an emergency. And the card that that guy had was the guy cleaning the lawyer's office. They called him. All of a sudden, he's cleaning the entire building. By the way, five years later, they're building other buildings around it. So now he's cleaning all five. Like, you That's know exactly what you're saying, you know? That's how it happens. Absolutely. Super smart. Don't be afraid to take those small accounts if they're in bigger buildings. You know, yep. if they're in an area with a bigger... I would say that too about people who clean houses. If you clean one house on my street, you should knock on every one of my neighbor's doors. Yep. Yeah, I clean that house. I clean that house. You know. That's something similar that happened with that project that I just mentioned with those four buildings. We got called in just to do the first floor cleaning, uh, just, you know, that lobby area. And next thing you know, we were cleaning 180 units uh, post-construction and the new building that was just built. So yeah, no, we're not, we're definitely not afraid to take anything, you know, small, uh, you know, to some degree, but small where it, a lot of the times it is your foot in the door, especially if they love your services. It's a test run for you. A million percent. I think you know, my biggest challenge, and I imagine it's yours as well. And, and again, you're speaking to it so clearly. Our biggest challenge is obscurity. It, people just don't know we exist. And if they did and they had a need for our services, I mean, it's an easy, easy fit. Yep. Yep. It's true. A million percent. Hmm. So how did, I'm just curious, how did you fare through COVID? What kind of changes did you have to make? It sounds like you guys were just went all in. You're like, you know what? We're going to clean COVID. I'll show you how to do it. So we kept ourselves very versatile. We were doing a lot of projects that were construction within banks. So 203K loans, renovation loans on residential properties were very big. And we were doing the construction piece to that. So those were not able to, they were not able to shut those down because they were time limits for people to move in. Anything on the commercial end got very, very quiet. We were doing a couple of different commercial projects and they just kind of wanted to hold off because either the facility was closed or they just kind of weren't sure where they were going to go with it. We also were very versatile with, because we had the cleaning piece, we had access to COVID cleaners. So that became a marketing piece for us where we were willing to share the resources that we had 
to others that we would not normally service. And so we didn't clean these homes or the places that we wouldn't normally service, but we gave them access to some of the resources that we had. And so that was a really great, like you said, that emergency when there's an emergency and you're available. So that came to be a wonderful, really kind of give back that we had to the people that followed us, the people that were somewhat associated to us, whether it be on social media, friends or things like that. And it was a really great way to make new connections and to be in front of the right people at the right time. Are you talking about equipment? Did you have equipment that you were sharing? Like what resources? No, we had COVID cleaners that were impossible to get. We had commercial grade COVID cleaners. And so if there was a certain facility that didn't have, you know, certain items that they needed to maybe open or to do their daily cleaning that they or uh, Are you talking about like foggers? Not foggers. They were just cleaners, sprayers of with mm. that COVID cleaner. Okay. So yeah, so we were just able to share those with them and have access to, you know, where a, a so house was sold and they couldn't find a COVID cleaner company because they were so backed up. We kind of jumped in and this is not, you know, we wouldn't normally do certain things, but we were doing them just to service and help those that were in a jam. Did you partner up at all or support other cleaning companies at all? Oh yeah. If they needed something that we had access to, absolutely. Absolutely. We would even share some of the cleaners that we had if there was a facility that, and that's why I mentioned, you know, not stuff that we would normally do. There were certain cleanings that they wanted that we just didn't do. You know, we don't do residential. And so some of them were residential, but they were like a commercial residential kind of thing. And so we, yes, we did. We shared. That's really great. I host a a networking group Mm -hmm. and four cleaning companies, cleaning business owners. And when I first started it prior to the pandemic, there were people that were, would literally be like, why would I go to a networking group with other cleaning companies? I'd be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, like, why would I be in with my competitors? I'm like, they're not your competitors. They should be your best friends. Do you not have any idea how to use other people to help you get ahead in business? I mean, it makes so much sense to me, but for some, they shy away from it. It's weird. So there's so much. We have a very different outlook. Uh, we do a lot of collaborations. I collaborate yeah. with a lot of other construction companies there's so much work to go around and I would rather give it to another company that then turn away someone with a dead end. We just have a very different outlook. When you create those really nice relationships with other companies, you know, there's stuff that we specialize in. There's stuff that another construction company might specialize in. And, you know, ultimately the goal is for you guys to be in front of the people and be available for them. So I just, we have a very different outlook. Listen, I've been greeted unkindly (laughs) when I attend different events and there might be another contractor there, it might be another cleaning company there, but I always look for the ones that have the open arms like I do. And we find a way where we can pass things back and forth that we just don't cover. Yeah, a million percent. I'm on the same page as you. I think it's the smartest thing, especially if, like you said, referring somebody else is way better than having than giving a potential customer a dead end. I mean, imagine a customer calls you with money in their pocket and a problem to solve. And you're like, well, if I can't do it, nobody can. I'm like, that doesn't help. Thank you. You know, because anytime going forward, if I know of anybody who needs construction help, I'm not 
referring you, you jerk, right? Because you treated me so poorly, right? So I'm a million percent in agreement with that. That's really smart. So when did you start picking back up after COVID? Or did you did you ever slow down at all? Sounds like you slowed down a little bit. Some pauses, um, no? Just during that time where it was the heavy shutdown because we had to really be careful about our guys and who, you know, there could only be one per job. And there were certain days where you had to make sure the house was either empty or so there were some obstacles to follow. The other piece was materials. A lot of materials were really hard to get. So we slowed down, but not because there wasn't work, because there were so many obstacles to complete things. Mm -hmm. The traditional lumber yard or, you know, the places where you would get certain materials were now filled with homeowners online. So we could not access them like we did before or some of the materials were significantly delayed in their arrival time. So projects would have to be put on hold, not because we couldn't complete them, but because we had no materials. We did not have access to certain materials. What about staffing? Was staffing a challenge? Is staffing a challenge? So we're very fortunate. We, the individuals that are with us, we really took good care of during COVID. And so they're still with us and we are not in the situation that other businesses are right now with finding workers. I mean, you know, we do have some of our subs that are experiencing some issues when they were a little bit on the slower side and they let go certain individuals, but we were able to maintain the crew that we have. We do have a small crew that is employed by us directly. And then we do work with a lot of subs. So we've been able to maintain our workers and they've been with us. And so they're still with us and we really treasure them because they're <laughs> what makes our business what who we are today. Yeah, of course. Of course. That's really great. I'm happy to hear that you're not feeling the pain as much as we are. But I would also point out, and you tell me if I'm wrong, in construction, it's generally an older crew. Like the typical average age of a construction worker is around 30. Yes. Or at least 30 is on the lower end even. Whereas, you know, I work in, like I said, nursing homes and hospitals. And the average age for the cleaner that I'm getting is 18. And uh, they're a challenge. (laughs) From our experience, it's not super common for us to have the younger ones get on board. Mm Mm-hmm. Right now, like I've mentioned before, like I feel like our biggest challenges are materials, items needed, the really high cost of materials. Those I feel like are more of a challenge than employees and workers. I mean, listen, we do feel it. There are certain areas, for instance, like our roofer, one of our roofers really is having a hard time getting some workers. So we do feel it when that happens. But I honestly feel like there's just been so many more obstacles with materials in terms of costs and mm-hmm. back orders or backlogged materials that I feel like that's just been more tough for us than employees so far. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I, I feel the employee shortage when I go to the grocery store. You know, like, I mean, Restaurants, absolutely. Restaurants. I was just at a restaurant where it had it had a sign that said they had limited capacity of seating due to staffing. Yep. They're like, we're not even going to let you in because we wouldn't be able to give you good service. 
and we can't have a party over six. You can't have a, a party over six. And if we do take you in, please be patient because we have the you know very little staffing. It's just that's a crazy sign to read. That's a crazy sign to read. But these are the days of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next for you guys? What's the big next 10 years, next five years? Are you guys going to completely get out of the cleaning industry and move completely into the construction? I think that we'll always have that cleaning piece because it, it is incorporated in any of the construction projects that we do. We really come in and anything that is, you know, the service that we provide is from beginning to end. So we always have to have a cleaning crew on staff to manage and protect our the projects that are all going on. So I don't think we'll ever get out of the cleaning industry, to be honest with you. It's definitely something that we need on a daily basis for projects. A lot of the times when we are hired, especially in the commercial world, we have to have our cleaning crew in there after heavy, de- you know, there's cleaning there's cleanups during construction, then there's the post-construction cleanup. So we would then have to go out and hire another cleaning company to do it on a daily basis. So I don't know that it would ever make sense for us to actually separate ourselves and hire a cleaning company to do what we need. That makes sense. You know what I'm not clear on is what it is you actually build? What kind of a commercial builder are you? So we do small commercial. So anything like restaurants we've done, we've done strip malls. We're not building them from the ground up a strip mall, but we would be called in if there's a reface interior, exterior renovation of the strip mall of one particular store in the mall. We've done restaurants. We've done, you know, from beginning to end for a restaurant, but in an already existing building. Got it. Got it. So you guys are like finished carpentry then. Well, we do we do framing, yeah. Demo. We'll, we'll we'll be called into a commercial building. We'll demo a warehouse and build offices in there. So we've done that too. Yeah, got it, got it. Okay, so that makes sense too. Because I was wondering, as you were transitioning, and everything for me is financially motivated. And I'm always, and I don't mean financially motivated. I mean I'm always trying to. I never see. I see a person with a hot dog cart and I start doing the math in my head. Like how many hot dogs do they need to sell? And I wonder if they have more hot dog carts than just this one. And you know what I mean? Like, can you really make a living selling falafel? $5 a piece. The cart doesn't look busy today. There's 18 other carts here. You know what I mean? Like I'm just constantly doing the math in the background. So I'm just curious, like when you said you went from cleaning to construction, I immediately thought new construction. Cause that's a huge jump financially. Right. That's 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 making small payroll to making very large payroll. So it makes more sense that you would go in as more like a general contractor. Yes. Yeah. Right. General contract. Just kind of going in and going reframing, reworking, painting, maybe, re, you know, tearing up carpets, putting new flooring down, countertops. So that kind of thing. I know before we went live, we were talking a little bit about HDTV. Were you involved in that too? Were you guys actually doing some stuff for HDTV? Yes, probably. Right before we started our company, my partner and I, we did, well, he did an HDTV episode with his family's construction company. Uh, It was very interesting. It was when HDTV really started to be known as the, you know, construction world where you do the fours and afters and things like that. 
And we were asked to be, well, his family's company was asked to be on it. And they were doing a home for a, a less fortunate family. And they were, we were, they came in and they renovated the entire home. There was an interior designer. And we tried to get, you know, whatever crews that we had that we were working with. And I mean, they were working like 24 hours in a few days. And it was very, very. I think I've seen those type of shows where it's like this full facelift in a day. Yes, which is not reality. So that's what's really hard (laughs) when, you know, I mean, most cut, we don't have customers that think it's going to happen in a day. But there are people out there that think that that really does happen in that short period of time, which it's just, it's not realistic. It's impossible, you know, between towns and permits and things like that. I mean, every, there's so much prep work done before those three days. And, you know, you can't work the hours that they were working. I mean, they were working to, you know, literally around the clock. So you can't do that in a traditional setting. Town will not allow that, things Mm -hmm. like that. It was a great experience. It was really fun. It was exhausting, but it did happen. And, you know, you're on TV and, you know. Yeah, that's really fun. That's really fun. And do you guys give out that as a DVD? (laughs) I would totally be... I'd love to do another one. They reached out to us already, but we didn't fall in the category. One was they were looking for a project with like a very heavy cultural piece to it. So we just didn't have any at the time. So I'd love to be able to do another one again at some point. But, you know, we, I mean, we share it, but it's, you know, a lot of our more updated stuff. We get, we are involved in a lot of other things. So I tend, we tend to share those more than the HGTV. With, YouTube and everything nowadays, it's so easy to just do it yourself, right? It's so easy to put your own commercial 60 seconds, you know, refurb and you can just snapshot the entire process. I get stuck. I'm that guy who falls in that rabbit hole on YouTube and, you know, it'll be dark out. I'm like, where'd the sun go? You know, I've been watching YouTube all day. (laughs) One video after another, just getting sucked in. I love the construction. I love the cleaning. I love the floor care. There's like, you know, people doing carpet care and they're, I can just watch carpet care all day because it's so fascinating to me. And, you know, I'm always having to clean a spot off a of carpet. So show me how to get gum off. I'm interested. Gum, tar, frayed, you know, super great. So it's really smart to just keep making videos. Yeah. You guys- those things are so helpful. I mean, there's things that you don't, you know, like you said, the gum. I mean, you know how many people will probably Google how to take gum off and, if you become their go-to a million percent a million percent do you guys do you guys have a large social media presence now we do yeah what do you normally post what's the so we try to do a variety of things so that people are aware of the different services that we have the different locations the different clientele that we work with you know prior to the intense social media or the presence of social media, if someone would reach out to us, even if they were referred, they would like a, you know, they would ask for referrals, they would ask for previous project pictures, and I'd create a folder with Mm -hmm. certain items that they were looking to do. You know, if they were looking to do a at a level, I would prepare three or four projects with an at a level and send them before and after pictures. So it was a lot of work, you know, and they just had access to that. Not because I didn't give them access to everything else, but I was just really preparing items for them to see. Now we try to put a variety of things on social media so they know, well, first of all, it's a lot of ideas. People like following us to just see different ideas, different things that we're working on. Some people just really enjoy the construction industry. 
And then others will reach out to us because they are seeing something that we do or we're involved in or that we've done that they want done. Mm-hmm. So I try to do, I mean, I handle the social media. So I try to do a little bit of everything. We do some lives. We have some customers come on and share their ideas and, you know, how we brought them to life. We do a lot of collaborating. So we'll collaborate with, we do a lot of work with lenders, mortgage companies. So we'll do a collaboration on how the process goes. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, which is educational, but also live stream of what's actually happening. We do befores and afters. Everybody loves befores and afters. So a little bit of everything, I think. Yeah, that's really great. I remember a long boy. It was, gosh, I'm getting, you know, I don't know what's happening, but I'm getting older accidentally here. But you know, every time you're like, you know, five years ago, and then you're like, wait, it was actually seven. Wow, was that 10 years ago? Could could it have been 20 years ago? Anyway, so 20 years ago, (laughs) I was working in a healthcare clinic and the receptionist was getting let go after like 30 years of service. And it was like this big brouhaha. Like they were just, everybody was up in arms that they were letting the receptionist go. And the reason they were letting her go is because as much as they've tried, they could not get her to learn how to do the billing, the, you know, the questions for insurance and getting pre-approval And because it was never part of her job, her whole, you know, she'd worked there 30 years. She never worried about insurance claims. I mean, I imagine 20 of her 30 years, it was a cash payment. You know, people would write her a check at the desk, you know, but because the industry had changed so much and you needed to get pre-approval before you could even get seen by a doctor, you know, just bleed over there in the corner until the approval comes through, that kind of thing. She couldn't do it for one reason or another. And so they were just letting her go because she wasn't able to keep up. And I, you just reminded me of that because it's so smart to go, wait, most of these construction, most people don't have the 10 grand, the 20 grand to refurbish a half a house. They have to go through the lending process. They have to get a, a bar or something. Super smart to go, hey, let's do a little video on how to make, it's super smart. It makes your job, your. it makes going to you a lot easier because I can go to you and go, oh, this is how you do this. Oh, these are some ideas on how to refurbish the kitchen. Oh, this is where you get money. Oh, this, oh, that's how you do that. Oh, you know, hey, honey, you know what we're going to need? Because I just watched this video yep. from Clean clean Sweep, Clean Scape, Clean Scape, Commercial Cleaning and Construction. I just think it's very smart. It's a really smart idea to incorporate that. Very smart. Yeah. I mean, one thing I love about social media is that you can educate and people can listen if they feel it's of interest to them. You know, I'm not a salesperson. I don't want to convince you that you need our services. I don't want to convince you that you need certain things in your home or in your your place of work or in your store or in your facility. I don't want to do any of that. I want you to come to us if it's something, if we provide a service that you need or that you or want. We I've done many educational seminars with mortgage lenders. And I've had people reach out that follow me to the lender because they know that we're associated with them, meaning that we just, you know, work with them, not a financial relationship, Mm -hmm. but that, you know, that there's someone that, oh, Christy knows them. Oh, wow. Okay. So she knows that lender and wow, he does renovation loans. I'm going to reach out to him and they'll start with them first, knowing that, like you said, they need some money. They don't have the 10,000 liquid or 20,000 or whatever they need. And Mm -hmm. then when it comes time, they'll call and say, okay, we're ready for you now. Oh, wow. Okay. Are great. You're using so-and-so that's wonderful. Yes. We've worked with him before. He's great. She's great. 
But yeah, no, it's, it provides all that information to them. And when they're ready or if they're in a position to move forward, they know where to find us. I love that. I do too. I think it's super, super smart. I think it's really, really great. Really great. Really thinking outside of the box and really kind of, you know what it's like? And my wife was just commenting on it the other day. We went to the grocery store and now when you go to the produce section, they don't just have apples available. They have apples and caramel and sticks. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, they don't just have broccoli. They also have broccoli and they have cheese right there. Cheese has no business being in the, in the <laughs> vegetable aisle, but because, you know what I mean? Like they've really started to pair up and, you know, they're like, you know, there's a common recipe. I live in a very Jewish neighborhood. And so, as you can imagine, every time there's a Jewish holiday there, you go in and you can just take, you don't I mean, even have to walk the store. You go right to the first end cap. You're like, yep, let's take, this is the meal. You know, you don't just go and look, you don't have to go find, I mean, I can give a million examples. You don't have to go find the marshmallows and the graham crackers and the chocolate, they're all in the same place for the 4th of July, right? It's called the s'mores. And these are all in the, they even wrap it up in the same packet. They get some foil. <laughs> yep, yep. That's what you're reminding me of. That's so smart. So smart to think of your business like that and think about how many different people use it. And that's why I think it's so, it's such a great story that you guys have about, no, we're just going to go clean. And they're like, oh, wait a minute. I can fix that small issue for you. You know what? This chair railing is loose. If you want me to fix it, I mean, I have to take it down to put it back together, but I can take it down and put it back together. And like, you can do that. Sure. I totally see how it evolves. It's really great. And I also see how you're kind of getting out of it, out of the cleaning and more into the construction because you got to specialize in something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, construction is definitely our specialty. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, just spitballing with you, is there a geographical area? Is it a hundred miles, 50 miles? What's your radius in Bergen County from Bergen County out? What's your. So the tri-state, you know, the local counties, so Bergen, Essex, Passaic, Morris and Hudson counties are predominantly where we work, especially now that we are very busy. We really try to stay within the local area so that we're very efficient. Yeah, that's Um, good. You know, but we've worked in, you know, when Sandy hit, we were really busy in the shore area, mm-hmm. you know, so there are times where we have really detoured out of our area, but we really do try to stay within these local counties. Yeah, that's really great. How does, how do you, so what is your current modus operandi for advertising? What are you doing now? You know, it's no longer a yellow pages. No. Yeah. <laughs> so how do people find you? We have a very, we're, we have a social media presence. Try to post as much as we can with LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. We are getting into TikToks, Pinterest, and blogging. So just to really keep the activity going and driving it in. But social media, I mean, you know, we, I do a lot of in-person events and I do a lot. I am, I do belong I'm on the board of the Metropolitan Builders and Contractors. So I do have a presence in some well-known organizations. So that's another piece to it. But social media is it's big. I mean, I connect with a lot of people on social media, do great collaborations through social media. There's Social media is a big piece of it. Yeah, that's really great. I was just curious if you're still knocking on doors at all, or if you're still doing any in-person meetings and that kind of thing at all. 
No, I mean, we don't, we don't do mailers. We don't do email blasts or anything like that. We definitely do the social media is probably one of our biggest forms of marketing. And then we do in-person, like I said, events, or I belong to different organizations, but we, we don't do the, the yellow pages or yeah, we don't, I mean, it may, I'm sure it still works. It's just, yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you something that really does work well, and you're maybe not going to believe me, but actually email blasts really work well. The conversion rate is pretty great still. I mean, it's not 90%, which is what it used to be when it first started, but you could totally, you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing that I think is very, what's super great about your business, the construction business, especially the, I'm going to say light construction business where you're doing the remodel. What's super great about that is the people you're doing the remodel for, if they're happy with you, which is probable, right? They like what you did for them. They probably have more rooms. They probably have another side of their house, right? And so how do you stay top of mind to them? So imagine if you put, and again, this is I'm a business strategist, so I do this for a living. So forgive me for pontificating at all. But just imagine having a newsletter that went out every couple of weeks with construction ideas. Yeah. And it just went to people that you were already doing business with. Yep. You know? What imagine that. Imagine if somebody was like, oh, I just saw this new cupboard thing that somebody put together. And you know what that does is it doesn't mean that you have to show all the pictures that you do. Because, mm-hmm. you know, as I said when I when we first started talking, my first writing job was in radio. And you know what we do at radio? You know how much music we produce in radio? Zero. But we're only known for music, right? Because all we do is find good music and we share it. And so if you were to find good designs, find good pictures, you don't have to take credit for you. Give credit to where the credit is. But you're just like, oh, look at this idea. I mean, I guarantee every construction picture you ever showed, you'd be able to duplicate. Oh, they put the bench seats in. That's kind of neat. They, you know, they added a new secret drawer in the kitchen. That's interesting. All the things you could do, but you don't have to do it is my point. You don't have to do it to put a newsletter together. And all your past customers are getting this newsletter every couple of weeks. And what would it take? One person to say, hey, I like this idea. Something you sent me, I saw, it's really fun. I wonder if you can come look at it. I wonder if we can do something similar to this other room that we have. I love the idea that other people, that people have more than one room. <laughs> more than, great suggestion, absolutely. Yeah, more than one office, more than one. It's only going to cost you a couple of bucks. No, I'm kidding. Housekeepers podcast. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. I love email campaigns. I do an email blast every week myself. I'm terrible at email blasting in the sense that, you know who Gary Vaynerchuk is? He's from New Jersey. No, Gary V. He's a big social media guy, VaynerMedia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he wrote this book called Jab, 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 Right Hook, meaning his ideas with social media, with newsletters, you're supposed to give, 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 ask for a sale. And I'm over here jabbing too much. So I'm like, give, 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 give. Hey, give, give, give. I never asked for the sale. I'm like, son of a... But (laughs) it's because I'm a writer and I love writing and telling stories. And so my newsletter is just me writing and telling stories. Nice. Yeah. Which is nice, but it doesn't do anything for my business, generally speaking. (laughs) So don't don't be like me. Ask for business. Make sure you're asking for business. Super great. Thank you so much for being on. How do people find you? So we are on Instagram and we are on Facebook, LinkedIn, 
those are your definitely those are definitely your best forms of getting and in touch with us. What is it at Cleanscape or is it at Cleanscape Construction? So what it, Instagram is ccc underscore Cleanscape Corp dot Cleanscape CC or Instagram. Wait, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna put it in the chat because you just okay. lost me. Ccc underscore Cleanscape and Cleanscape, then all one word. All one word and then CC at the end of that. Yeah, that's Instagram. And then Cleanscape is Cleanscape Construction. If you, it's two separate words. If you put that in, you'll find us. You'll see our, our logo as and the- And then Cleanscape Construction. Yep. And where is that? Everywhere else you're saying? What do you mean? Cleanscape Construction. If you put that in a LinkedIn, Facebook. Yes, yeah. If you put it in LinkedIn and Facebook, you'll see it. You'll see this logo as our profile picture and you'll know it's us. Good, good, good. I'm just adding it to the chat so everybody can see what these are. And what is your fa- what is your actual website's name? www.cleanscapecc.com. www.cleanscapecc.com. All right, good. I just chatted that out to everybody. And when I when we put the show up, I'll make sure that all the links are in the show notes so everybody can find you where they need to find you. Thank you so much for being on. It was super fun. I really liked having I like your energy. I like how I don't know, I just like I just like how you talk. I like your business. I like I'd love to meet your husband. I think he sounds great too. Thank it's really you. fun. Yeah, it was, this was wonderful. You had great questions. It was great to chat with you. I do admire your show. I go and listen to all your different podcasts and they're a lot of fun. You have some really wonderful people on the show. And so I feel really honored that you've included me on your, you know, on the variety of interviews or chats that you've done. Thank you so much. It's nice of you to say, and I love it. I have the best job ever sitting on this side of the microphone has been, <laughs> has been the greatest. I learned more from my guests on the show than I could even tell you. So I, I'm like, I'm going to give you a little business strategy. By the way, I'm taking 18 notes on things I've learned from you. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So that's it. The Housekeepers Podcast. Dare I say the cleanest hour in podcasting. If you enjoyed today's show, please make sure that you like it, subscribe to it, write a review, tell all your friends, and make sure you're tuning in live all the time. I'm Ralph Peterson. She is Christy Berry. And we are out of here. See you guys later. That's it, the Housekeepers Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into today's show. Keep in mind, the best way to ensure that you never miss an episode of the Housekeepers Podcast is by subscribing to the show and following us on social media. For those of you who are more visually stimulated, you can always watch us record the show live each week on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. In fact, we post all of our videos on YouTube, so make sure you are subscribing to our YouTube channel. If you love the show and you want to help us out, please consider writing a review and sharing the show with all your friends and families and colleagues. And if you are looking for more information about today's guest, all of their contact information and the links to their websites are in the show's notes. That's it. Until next time, this has been the cleanest hour in podcasting. I am Ralph Peterson, and I'll see you later.